Hey guys, this is Chelsea with Hennapreneur, and today I am thrilled to be able to share with you uh, a special guest. We have Callie here, um, Callie Torres of Atlanta Henna Studio. So Callie, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, how you got started with Henna. Hi, well, I am from Cuba. So when I came to the United States about five years ago, I had no idea what Henna was or anything, like re really anything. So I went to an art store and I got a little henna kit and that's how I started with henna and that's really what brought me to what I'm today. Wow. So um, what was your first time like experiencing henna? Was it literally when you saw the kit in the store or had you seen yes. it before? Really? Never. I had never seen it before. I actually, when I bought it, I thought yeah, it was around the time of flash that was really possible. Really. Um, not possible. Really common and really popular. You know those things you put in your hand and then. So I thought I saw the box and I saw the picture and that's what I thought it was. So then oh. when I got it and I bought it and I opened it, I'm like, oh my god! Like it was this powder. It was a needle and everything. And I was really confused. <laughs> I imagine like actually, being like, oh, like. I'm a, like expecting the gold foil tattoos and then uh -huh. <laughs> and okay. then seeing that yeah so and then I look I just learned online I just looked up online like the actual word that was in the box and then I'm like oh okay and I just start drawing on myself random stuff oh wow so how wait so how long ago was this you said five years ago yeah really wow okay so like in the grand scheme of things you're still very like a new artist yeah, I've been doing hair for actually less than five years, four years. Yeah, I've been five years in America and that was four years ago. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. So, was yeah, no, that's amazing. So, like, for you, um, so you find this kit in the store and you go home and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> you start to play with it and like was it instant love or was there like a learning curve that you're like, eh, I don't know about this? Well, I've always liked patterns and creating patterns and seeing them. Uh, my mom always taught me that. And then when I saw, when I realized what Hannah was, what a kid was, um, I just started drawing on myself. And then I really liked it. I was like tattoos and things like that and being able to create. So I thought, okay, this is perfect. At first, I actually started buying Hannah online and trying mixing it myself, but I had no idea. I didn't look anywhere, just added water to the thing or maybe I remember the kid had. And I was just mixing it and I, my dad's an artist. He's a really good artist. So actually give it to him so he would do it on me. But no, that didn't work. So I decided I had to do it on myself. And then eventually I started loving it for more than just doing it on myself and actually started doing it on more people. Oh, wow. So, okay. Is like from a personal perspective, right? this i i imagine that like finding henna would have been especially if you if you already knew that like you love design was this something that like did it spark something in you that that you didn't know was there or did it spark something or like rekindle something in you that you always knew was there well my whole family they're all artists everywhere they're all artists and i i was really young I was 14 13 so I was kind of fighting against my family's art career and art path. Oh, wow. So I didn't really recognize that. 
but I always liked art. And actually, when I found Hannah, it opened to me all doors and made me realize how much I love art. And not only with Hannah, but art in general, but Hannah mostly. Oh, wow. Wow. So have you found like, just like from a personal perspective, have you over these past four, you know, four, almost five years, are you finding like, did Hannah and, and, and beginning to work with Hannah on yourself, on other people, just the learning curve, like that whole journey from a personal perspective, have you found it to be, um, has it left any particular impact on you? Has it, uh, have you seen change in yourself since uh, coming into Hannah? Um, personally, yes. I was a really, really, really shy person. And I'm still numb, but not so much. So I could, Hannah opened to me to meeting so many new people, all new clients. There's all new people who you don't even know they're sitting there and you're drawing on their hand. That's a pretty, you have to be pretty close to someone to be over their hand. So I think that opened me up to more people and to knowing how to talk with people, how to relate with people, how to feel comfortable with someone even though you don't know them. And I, I actually like to talk with my clients too. And I think that has been really important to me. But especially many of my clients come to me because they're going to travel somewhere. So mm, okay. sometimes, this is like a funny, sad story. Sometimes they go travel to Cuba and I'm from Cuba. So, and I have like a really soft spot for the politics there. Yeah. So when they start talking to me and then they're like, talking possible like positive about it it makes me want to explain to them and talk to them about what what my experience was and things like that and then they understand and it creates like a like a nice atmosphere when I feel like I'm doing more than just doing henna but I'm kind of sharing what I know I'm kind of feeling like I'm according to that and that's something that's really important to me being able to talk to people and get kind of message out when I'm doing art on somebody yeah you get to educate not only about the henna but also about culture and about lifestyle yeah about what i know yeah 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 that's so cool i i love that you know it's it's interesting that you say like um that you're shy i wouldn't i don't know that i'd read that from you like yeah <laughs> because with henna i'm comfortable yeah i'm comfortable talking of what i know were um, you and that really that yeah with no henna? No, um, no. <laughs> when I first started East Coast Henna Fest here in Atlanta, I was really, really shy. I was shaking. I didn't know what to say. And then when, when I taught again at London in Henna Hotel, uh-huh. it was a complete difference because I had already talked to a room full of people. Uh-huh. So I just started talking and talking and talking and talking. And I was so comfortable because when you talk about something you love and you talk about something you understand, then it comes easily, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So not everyone who's watching is going to know, like, tell us about, tell us about the the Henna Fest. Yeah. Okay. Well, East Coast Henna Fest is a little henna conference that recently Ankita from Horizon Henna started here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's called East Coast Henna Fest. And it's a really small community. It's, It's not many people come. It's in a hotel that's actually near here, near my house. And they have really nice t-shirts. Um, the year I taught there was 2018. And of course I was there. Alana from Alana Henna Arts was there. Um, Melissa, 
Melissa Adams. No, she mostly works with Jaguar. Yeah. And it was really nice. It was uh, really small, so it was really comfortable, and we really got to know each other and hang out. It was a really fun conference. And Hannah Huddle was an amazing experience for me. I had such a great time. I was traveling to London. It was the first time I traveled for myself. For oh, myself, wow. So far away. Yeah. I a lot, but somewhere so far away. And I met great friends. Like, I, I made great friends. I had so much fun teaching. And for the first time in my life, I felt like people actually cared about my work because I had so many people coming to me and being so thankful for what I was teaching and enjoying my class. And that really made me feel really nice. And it made me feel like I was actually making an impact. And that's what we all want, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. That's amazing. So was it, when you taught at uh, East Coast Hella Fest, that was your first time teaching. What did you teach there? I taught um, floral designs. Okay. Did you always feel like you wanted to teach or was that like, was it a surprise? Was it like sprung on you? How did it go? Well, the first henna conference I ever went to was HennaCon, and it's a really big conference. And I, I was just starting to do henna, maybe two years or maybe a year or something like that. So I was really, really, really extremely shy. And I remember there I met Joey and I met some of the other people and they told me like, oh, someday you're gonna teach. And I'm like, hell no, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, no, I'm not that good. No, are you crazy? And then eventually I started getting asked to teach at conferences. Um, the first one was actually Hannah Hodo. And then just a couple of weeks before uh, East Coast kind of Fest, I was asked to teach. Maybe not a couple of weeks, but a shorter time before. Um, so that's when I was like, okay, time has come. I gotta do it. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So like, so tell me about, tell me about like your business today. So obviously you, you, you're, you're teaching at conferences and you're seeing clients. What type of clients do you see uh, most regularly? Okay, mostly uh, my clients are... Americans, they're mostly um, African-American. Um, they usually come to me, well, right now because of graduation or because they're gonna go somewhere for the summer, mostly for things like that, for traveling, maybe for someone's birthday, as a gift for many little girls, things like that, they're most of my clients. Oh, wow, so it's like mostly private appointments or do you do yes. parties and events? I do events, but I personally don't like to do them as much, so I try to keep it down. I enjoy private appointments better because then even if I have to do a 30-minute design, I block it two hour. Uh, I block two hours on my schedule so I can take my time, so I can talk to the client because sometimes they come and they don't know what they want to get. They book something on the website and they come to me with this full hand design. I'm like, okay, no, that's like two hours. That's not 30 minutes or something like that. So I like to book for a long time and really enjoy every line that I'm doing and enjoy every little thing that I'm doing because I take my time and I make it really detailed and try to do my best to make everything perfect. So on festivals or events, you gotta do something quick and you gotta hurry and you gotta be done. And I don't like that. So that's why I don't do festivals or events as much. I like doing private appointments, like sitting down with somebody, have my music on the back and just enjoy. 
That's so cool. You know, it's, it, it is, I feel like there are two different like types of henna artists, right? There's the one who's like, they're very quick. And some, I mean, I say that quick, but, and I don't mean it like, um, that means it's sloppy. Like it can be, it can be, it can be quick and it can yeah. be clean, but there are, but there are artists that are like, they're very quick. They just want to be in and out. And then there are artists who savor their work. Like, and I see yeah. you, like, I see your clips on Instagram and I'm like, Callie is an artist who savors every line. Like, you know, you do, you see, you just take your time and you like, you work and it's so cool. I'm not that way. Like, I am not that way. I am the opposite. I'm the one who's like, okay, I just want to get this done. Like here. And I, I, I think of the design like faster than my hands can work. So I'm always just like moving like this. Yeah. But when I see you like savoring each other, I love that so much. Do you like in, 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 um, keeping to that and, and like you realizing that, you know, you do, you want to enjoy every line and you want to enjoy like the process of it all. Do you find that, um, like having to choose to do private appointments, do you feel like you've cut out a part of uh, your market or like you, you're, you're happy with that and you're like, no, this really works for me. So I'm sticking with it. I feel like it's kind of, kind of goes both ways because it's definitely less money. Um, but I enjoy it more. So it's kind of like here's a balance because I'd rather do something I enjoy for maybe a little bit less money than something I'm not going to feel comfortable with for a lot more money. Like I, I do do it. Like today I'm, I have an event, but I, it's not so often. Maybe like once or twice a month and appointments. I do every little appointment I can get. I take it. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. I, you know, I love it. I think, uh, and I asked you that um mostly just to see how you feel I, I feel like a lot of times artists uh who come into the henna community are like I've got to do everything right like I've got to know how to do the private appointments and the festivals and the events and the corporate gigs and the prenatal henna and the crowns and like they want to do all the things and it's it's I don't think that you have to be that way mm-hmm. like I'm I also for me most of my work is in private appointments private appointments and uh, small private parties. That's like, that's the foundation of my business. And so I love hearing from other artists who are like, no, this is what I love. And this is what I'm doing because I love it. And like, yeah, yeah, like that's, um, and then making that work for your business is, is awesome. Like, I feel like that's amazing. So what does, uh, like for you, what does a typical work day, work week look like? How do you spend your, your, okay. your work time? <laughs> Well, so far, it's been school from morning to 5 p.m. Oh, my and God. Then, and then at 5, I would take one or two appointments, and then that would be it. Mm-hmm. And most days, I really, like, I have, with that schedule, so from the morning to 5 p.m., I can't take anybody. So for that reason, many of them are out because sometimes you can't do yeah. that. And sometimes I actually wouldn't go to school and take appointments, but that would be like if they want something really big that I think was worth it. But, uh, so I will only take about four or three, maybe even less, maybe like two or one appointments a week because mm-hmm. of that schedule. And especially the time of the year matters a lot. Like in the summer, I get tons of appointments. I don't know where to put them. And then in the winter, I'm like, okay, one here, one there. Because it's not the time, especially here, that's not like the henna is not in the culture here in Atlanta. There is no culture of henna. Mm-hmm. And people people who are in the culture, 
sometimes they don't want to pay why my, my process are yeah so they go to someone cheaper so that's why most of my clients are people who are not in the culture just want to get something pretty and something quick done yeah and that's why i don't have many and that's why in the summer i have many because everybody's going on vacation everybody's going out of town festivities and festivals yeah Oh, wow. So uh, you said you're in school. Are you, it's university? You're in university now? No, no. I just graduated high school. Oh, okay. Week. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's Thank amazing. You. Yeah, congratulations. Oh, Thank wow. Thank you. So I don't know what my schedule is going to look like for college. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be my appointment schedule now. <laughs> It'll be, you all, it may be more flexible. I know me, like, oh, my yeah. university schedule. I think was... it's going to be, yeah. I think it's going to yeah. be. Oh gosh. So like, how long did it take you from, from buying the box of henna and starting to play with it to actually accepting like paying clients? What, how long did that take? Okay. When I started, everybody was telling me it looked nice to me. It looked horrible. So I started doing it myself and doing it myself. Maybe like three months later, uh, I was in eighth grade and it was like a field day and I just did henna on people for free, of course, because, and maybe, and there that day I learned a lot just with those thousands of my thousands, but many, many kids wanting to get henna and they didn't care how it looked like. Yeah. They just let me do it. And then maybe like six months after that, maybe like, I, I don't know, it, honestly, I don't know if it was about eight months after I started or a year after I started where I felt comfortable enough with myself to like my first client. And I, I charge really little because I'm really picky with myself. So I just, people liked my work. I didn't like my work. Mm. I hated it. So yeah, I didn't take many clients. Um, I remember the first client because my first client was just a friend of my old stepsister. And she just came to her house and she got henna and she paid me. Uh-huh. But my first actual client in the studio sitting down that I didn't know, that didn't come from somewhere, she just contacted me and she wanted an appointment. I remember I felt really, um, I, had, I felt like I had a lot on my shoulders because mm-hmm. she came to me and she was mad. She was having a bad day because the henna artist she always went to canceled on her. Oh. So she was coming to me like a last minute thing. Like, I don't know who this girl is. She wanted my henna done. And I was doing it. And I actually liked what I was doing. Uh, I felt comfortable when I was creating. But at the same time, she was telling me, oh, the other henna artist did this. And the other henna artist did that. And I'm like, okay, I don't know who you're talking about. And she was like trying to make me do what the other girl was doing. But of course, I was doing my thing. But that was just the first day. Then I had this long talk with my dad. Because he's an artist and he lives off his heart. So he was telling me, okay, it's your word, I have to appreciate it, blah, 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 and things like that. So then eventually I started getting clients and I started doing my designs, I started doing my thing, and they loved it. And that's how I felt like, okay, maybe what I'm doing, maybe what I'm doing is not so wrong. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So it's interesting what you said about, um, you know, you get the first client and feeling like you have the weight on your shoulders. Um, were you was it like doubt? We're like, oh, because I, I feel like for artists, right? It's so common for us to do our work and we do. We hear everyone else be like, oh yeah, that's wonderful. And we're the ones that focus on like, oh, that Paisley was like 
oh, you know, something was wrong in there. And oh, I forgot, like, I'm the type, I'll miss a dot in a flower or something and be like, oh my God, I can't post this picture. Look, I missed this, this, this. and no one else notices, you know? Yeah. Um, so for you, did, did you, was it, was it just that feeling of, um, like self-doubt and self-criticism? And if so, like, how, like, how did you overcome that? Or are you still dealing with that? Well, I practice. Um, I'm still, everybody's, I feel like you're always dealing with that at some level, maybe not as much, but at some level, um, I knew that what I was doing was okay. Because people liked it, my clients liked it. I started getting good feedback on Instagram, so I knew what I was doing was looking good. But I wanted to exceed that. So then I just kept and kept going and kept going and kept going until I actually started developing my own style and my own ways to do things. And I think that's when it really hit me, like, okay, good, you know? Um, and I still want to do better. I still want to be more creative and have more new motives or things like that that I don't copy from someone and I really don't copy stuff from people I just maybe get inspiration and then from there create my own mm -hmm. or things like that or from my art itself I get things from there it's kind of like you know like everywhere yeah but eventually I want to grow more on that I see I think that you do you have a, a quite a unique style and it's just very very crisp I know uh, a lot of people I have to be wondering Kelly, how do you get your lines so thin? <laughs> I get that a lot. Yeah? So, like, give the, give the community a tip. How can they get their lines so thin? Okay, well. <laughs> um, the first thing is the taste. It has to be extremely, extremely, extremely fine. But so, so fine. And it has to be stringy. If it's creamy, it's not going to work. It has to be stringy and it has to be really, really fine. And then the tip of my cone is 0.4. It's not as small. You can get it smaller than that, but I, th I don't think that's necessary. Because if you go smaller than that, you're going to be able to do it really thin, but then the dots and thicker elements are just going to be hell. So if you use 0.4, you can get it really thin and you can get it thick. So I use 0.4, and when I drop my lines, I use drop it like we all do. But then when I do my homes or things are like thinner, I actually barely, barely press the cone and put it directly on the skin. So you can basically draw it out. And with no pressure, just really, really little pressure, just something that comes out, but not a lot. And I think that's something, a mistake that many, not a mistake, but when they want to get thin lines and they're not getting it, I feel like that's why they're pressing too hard. And you have to barely press. <laughs> Especially because videos, it looks so satisfying, you know, when you're dropping the humps and it looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get them detailed, if you're looking, if you're looking forward to that, you have to do it really different. You have to do the complete opposite. Hmm. That's, <laughs> that's such a good tip. I know that, I know that people are like, oh, they'll, they'll see your work and be like, well, how does she do that? How does she get her lines so thin? Uh, that's so cool. Thank you for sharing. So, yeah, now, <laughs> <laughs> so like, so tell me, um, right now, like what's your, what's your next like professional aspiration for Atlanta Hannah Studio? Okay, um, because you know, I'm, I'm, I just got out of high school and I gotta make more money than what I do right now. Yeah. I wanna expand more, maybe actually get a little shop somewhere and be more well known here in Atlanta, kinda grow my business that way and keep it 
try to do walk-ins more than just private appointments. Go walk, walk, okay, walk-ins are like appointments, but you don't have them written down. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. So somebody just comes to you and you do it. So maybe, you know, they don't have to know they want henna, but you can just see your shop and say, okay, I want henna. Yeah. And I think that's a really big way to expand your business. And that's what I want to do right now in the business side, not on the art side. The business side is I want to expand that, maybe do more brides. Ah. I really want to focus on doing more brides too. Really? Have you, do you see many brides right now? Not many, really little. That's why I say I want to do more because I think it's good money and it's good work. It's really good for your portfolio. Myself, I get extremely tired when I'm doing it. I do the first part and then the second part, but the second part I just want to be done. That's when I really don't enjoy it as much. And with my, when doing the feed too, and I, I actually, when doing brides, I enjoy the actual bride. You know, I enjoy doing the hands and the feet. I like creating the design and sharing all the time. What stresses me out is the people around. and That's mm-hmm. what I don't like so much about brides. But the actual yeah. hand aspect, I love it. Yeah. That's the same like me. I'm like, ah, I, the, the bride is fine. It's the personalities around the bride that are yeah. harder, <laughs> harder to maneuver. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So... Uh, opening up a studio would be amazing. That would be fantastic. Do you have, uh, have you already written a business plan for this or no? What do you say? Uh, have you already written a business plan for like uh, a plan for how to get there? I have, uh, I have visited many places in the five points. It's a really cool area here in Atlanta where you see a lot of people that would like that kind of stuff. Um, so I went to that area and I found some shops where they were actually like rent me a little space or they would do deals like, okay, half of every appointment you do is for me or things like that. So I'm kind of looking at the best deal to go ahead and do that. And it's really near my, the college I'm going to go to. So that's good too. That's exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> so yeah. how about, yes, of course. So like up until now, what, what do you feel like has been your greatest professional accomplishment? Like when you look at your journey right now, is there one thing that stands out that's like, I did that. I freaking did that. <laughs> I I just like the designs I create. I feel like I learned. Okay, so when I started ninth grade, I got to art class and I learned about art. And learning about art taught me about henna. Since then, I started thinking on composition more than never thinking on values and how they change and how they created the design so how i got a really thin lines to create a different value and the thicker ones and all these kind of things and i'm really proud like something that i'm really proud of myself that i've done in henna is going outside of this needs to be perfect or this every single line needs to be perfect and pretty and everything to go into the side where everything has to have this the value it needs to have and the composition it needs to go where it needs to go and then after that i focus on the perfection and that's something that i've learned from myself that i'm really proud of and i feel like it has really helped my designs and helped my business in general because you see something from far away and that's you don't when you see anything you don't see it from up here you see it from far away mostly and that's what I think really helped me that my clients like how it looks just from looking at it and then if they want to see the details okay great that's okay too but just that overall look and that's something that I'm really happy that I I, I feel good about that I think that that's, I, 
yeah no that i think that that's a really a really good you know um so I'll, my husband is from sudan right and um and sudanese style henna obviously is <laughs> something that i've yeah i'm i'm pretty familiar with. so so with um with uh sudanese style henna that's one of the things that's like that is very specific to that style is that women realize and they, they acknowledge like this when they're choosing their henna artist they think about the fact that you're not going to see my henna from up close unless yeah. you're up close to me and so when they seek out their artist they're looking for the artist who understands how to place those values how to vary yeah. them so that when they're at the market, the person from across the market can still see the design and be able to acknowledge its beauty without even getting yeah. into the intricacies. So I love what you're saying. Like, I feel like when you take a, a look at like, um, I don't want to say like classical art instruction, but almost, um, and you look at it more, more like the science of art, and it changes the way that you design because it has to, Yeah, of course. you know? Yeah. When I, I think it's not a mistake, just a way of making it. But for me, I, re I consider myself, I was making a mistake because I was looking to do something, right? I was looking to make a design that has an impact that just extracts your eyes when you see it. But then I was making this design that everything looked perfect. The lines were perfect or whatever, but they were all the same. You know what I mean? And uh, nothing yeah. struck out. Um, so... I feel like changing from that, that my art teacher taught me at school from values and composition is really important. And I really, yeah, it really went with it. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> I have a soft spot. I, I tell you, I have like a super soft spot for like art teachers in general. Like that's a whole other yeah. story. But so to, to, to hear like, oh yeah, you know, I heard this thing from my teacher and, and it impacted me in this way. And now look at what the work that you're doing. Like, that is so, that's yeah. so fun. It's so amazing. Oh my God. I love my art teacher. I'm so sad I'm leaving her now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You'll have to connect with her. Can I tell you, I'm still in connection with my art teacher from like the sixth grade, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Oh my Yeah. God. He was my teacher for all three of those years. I still communicate with him and his family now. Like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I hope to keep in touch with my teacher. I had her from ninth grade to twelfth grade, and it's been an amazing journey. Oh yeah, you have to. You have to stay with her because that's uh, it's such a good connection. Uh, that connection, you don't yeah. lose it. So yeah. <laughs> so tell me, like, um, so you told me how many clients like you 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 see on a regular basis, but you're constantly creating content for social media. If uh, if um, mm -hmm. those who don't know Callie, like you have quite a large. Uh, what's your following on on social media right now? It's a high number. I don't remember. It's a hundred and nineteen thousand, maybe. Hundred nineteen thousand. I don't remember. It was. I can't remember it was a 19, I think it, I can remember it was 118 or 119. Up I there. Think it's 119. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Up there. So, but to have that sort of following, you have to also be creating content quite regularly. Are you yeah, yeah. creating content just with clients or during your practice sessions? Like, how do you find time to build that content also while you are um, seeing clients like on a, um, like a shorter term basis? Because your, your schedule is quite, is quite rigid. Yeah, um, I take pictures of all my clients or all henna's I do. Um, then I also take close-ups. I do many close-ups. I do many videos. And then being from one client, you can get five posts. Or, well, it's like three posts maybe. Or maybe four even. 
um, so videos, close up, a whole design, or maybe like half design, you know, I just kind of break it apart. Yeah. And when I do henna myself, I do details. I, I don't do videos, but I do details. I do fresh stain. I do developing stains and things like that. So it kind of breaks something up into many parts. When I do practice, I do a lot of videos. I take some pictures. And practices for me, they don't get as much um, attention as mm. actual henna people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's important for people who want to learn something from you or are interested in how you do it. I think practices are really important because that's where you can really see it. Mm-hmm. And you can really experiment. Like I have had this new kind of idea on mine that I just recently got to do it on a client. And then I have another idea similar to that. I want to do it on myself, but I haven't been able to because, again, I just graduated. So I just had a lot of school. Ah, you so didn't even have to. for yourself for graduation? Well, the act is next week, but the, for the finishing school is this week. For the act is next week. So ah. I got to do it for next week. So you have to do this new idea. You know, you have to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do it maybe next week, Sunday. Yeah, now you have to do it for your graduation. That will be so cool. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. So, like, um, how long did it take you to build the social following that you have? I feel like a lot of times um, in the henna community, people are like, I have to have tons of followers in order for people like to see my work so that they're gonna wanna hire me. Did you find, like, did you have a strategy in building that audience or did it come just naturally as you were sharing your work? Well, with that thing you said about having more followers means more clients, it doesn't mean so for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know how you can see statistics and Instagram like where people are from or whatever, yeah. I think like 90% of my followers are from the Middle East and India. Uh-huh. 90%. 10% from other countries and then America. And I'm in America. I'm in Atlanta. Yeah. So if like 5% or I don't know, maybe let's say like 7%, of those people who see my work are near me, it's not gonna be as many clients as if 100% were near me. Right. So definitely really having a lot of followers doesn't really help on that way. Maybe a little bit, because when people see you and they see you have a lot of followers that trust you better. Yeah. They think, okay, you're serious, this is what you do. And so I think in that part it may help, but on the side of how many people see your work, I don't think it doesn't so much. And I, when I started seeing that my work was of liking of people i posted a video that it didn't go viral of course but it got a lot of views and that was the first time i realized okay people like videos so i started posting a lot of videos and i started getting more and more and more because of the videos and then with things like that then i my old phone just stopped uploading videos to instagram it oh, just no. stopped doing it <laughs> so I'm like okay we gotta do it with photos people <laughs> so then I started just uploading photos and photos and photos did not get as many attention as much attention but still kept growing and now now I have a new phone and I can put videos and they don't get as much attention pictures get more attention mm-hmm. so I guess you just have to see what people like at certain times it changes mm-hmm. and it definitely had yeah. a time where I grew really fast and then it stopped 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 and then now i'm growing a little bit by little bit again i think this for instagram's updates and all of that kind of stuff that kind of messes you up a little bit yeah and not as many people see your work 
every time they change the algorithm you like have to relearn how to work the platform almost it's it's great but yeah. i love that you're like cognizant also of what of what your audience wants to see that's so important mm -hmm. like and i know like through hitpreneur i i i always always i feel like i'm harping to my students like you have yeah. to listen to the audience listen to the people and give them yeah. what they want um so i love that that also has rung true for you in 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 building that following so Uh, as far as your local client base, do you have, are mo most of your clients repeat clients or are many of them new people? Do they find you uh, on Instagram? Do they find you online? Where are, where do the majority of your clients come from today? Um, most of my clients, I would say half and half. It's funny because the ones that come to me, not knowing me, not knowing my work, just with some design that sound online, they found me on Google. Okay. And then the ones that come to me with a design in mind that really appreciate what I do, they come from Instagram. So I feel like half and half, maybe younger people come from Instagram, older people come from Google. <laughs> like that's what I've seen. Yeah. So I think it's like half and half. Do you see if, <laughs> like me, I, I feel like by the time I sit down with my client, just in having a little tiny bit of conversation with them, I can guess where they came from. Is that like yeah. less true for you? Ah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't really know who is who am I or what I do or if you're so surprised when you see that I do what you wanted me to do then I know you don't you haven't seen my work yeah <laughs> and then if you are like oh you're good and you like what I'm doing and you're like oh I like this design of yours I like this other sign of yours can you make something between and I'm like okay you know you got for Instagram yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do you have in your business, do you have a marketing strategy outside of uh, like social media and, um, and your Google listing? I, I don't think so. That's mostly all I do. I do mostly do social media and internet. Um, sometimes I have hand on myself and go, Oh, that's so pretty. I was like, okay, I did a joint business card or something like that. But that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I love it. So it always just it coming to you organically then that way. Yeah. That's if so I want to do more marketing um other than just um the Instagram again because I want to grow my business. But I think that will actually come naturally um, when I have like a little shop or something and then people come to me and then it's gonna be more like word of mouth. And I get a lot of clients that way too right now. And most of my clients, I remember you asked that question and I didn't answer it. Um They are, it's like half and half too. Most of them, many of them come repeatedly and they come like maybe like three times a year every time they want henna. I had a client that just came every single time her henna faded. And then I have some that are completely new to henna, some that have never even gotten henna before. Mm, that's so, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I think um, there's definitely a difference in when you're doing, you know, the difference between inbound and outbound marketing. Have you heard the difference between those two? Mm -mm. No? Okay. So inbound marketing is basically when you are doing this very well. So inbound marketing is when you create content, you put value, you educate, you are giving, you're constantly giving, and then you let people come to you. Whereas outbound yeah. marketing is like, it's also called interruption marketing. That's when you um, like run the ads and you are like out there passing out your cards to people and you're like, okay, yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, as you're building your business, like you'll find that you have to have a balance between the two. Like just having one yeah. is never as successful as having the two working yeah. in, in different ways. So 
it's, it's what I want to change. I want to have both. Right? You want to have both. And, and it's so good. Like once you start to build both, like I can imagine for you, um, it would be incredibly helpful for you for an outbound marketing campaign. Okay. One minute. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, but I imagine for you, like it would be, it would be really good uh, as for an outbound marketing campaign, just because you already have so much uh, Instagram traction, like you could have, let them come to you by way of inbound, but like viewing your Instagram, viewing your, your uh, website and all those things. And then an outbound campaign would be um, retargeting those people. So like literally collecting an audience of these are the people who've come to my, my, my site, excluding those people who are not in your area and then mm -hmm. running ads back to them. To say hey yeah hey, like do you remember me and you know like just to stay always like in their in the front of their mind so that they're coming to you know coming back to see you so it's like a nice mix of the two it starts out organically and then you like coax them along the way <laughs> yeah like offers and things like that and not even necessarily offers literally like you could have uh running ads that are like testimonial ads or just like yeah. uh, sharing some additional information about you and where especially like if you're working in a in a space where you have the ability to do walk-ins oh my gosh you know, that yeah. way when someone from, you know, within 30 miles of Atlanta, I don't know, um, comes to your Instagram, they happen to see you, and then they go on about their way, they forget, you know, we consume so much content, we forget. Um, yeah. So, uh, but then you've now tagged them, right? Your system has now tagged them, and you start running ads to them to like remind them that you exist and inviting them to come and see you at your, at your studio. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that balance yeah, is really, work really well. Yeah. It does. No, it does. It works very, very well. And it, and it, and it pulls into both, both sides. So you have like, um, the inbound and outbound side, but both of them, they work like, you know, they work together. So it's not like, it doesn't feel gross. <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel gross. Cause I'm, I'm, I don't like, I don't like like the gross salesy, whatever, <laughs> but no, no. So tell me, um, up until now, like what's been your biggest investment in your business or in yourself? Um, like from a professional capacity up to down. Okay, the biggest investment um, in the money side was when I started doing orders, when I started taking orders. So you spend a lot of money on buying lots of powder, lots of oil, the boxes, stickers, all of that just takes a lot. Um, I think that was my biggest investment. And for me, it didn't work well. At the beginning it did, but then it kind of slowed down and I started spending more money than I was bringing in. Mm. So I just stopped doing that. And just focus on clients. And also something that I love. I love clients. I really, really enjoy making a billion counts. Or... Yeah. Yeah. The, I think the retail aspect of Hannah, like, there's some legitimacy that comes with being a Hannah supplier, right? But I'm like you. Like, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't. It's uh, my heart's yeah. never been in it. Like, I enjoy I enjoy making it for myself, making a batch for myself, putting all these little oils and really making it perfect. But when I'm taking just, when I'm making just batches and batches that aren't for me, they're, they're just, it's just a lot of work and a lot of effort. And I felt like I wasn't getting enough for what all that I was doing and spending too much. And, and also it's the design of the labels, the design of your whole campaign. It's just a lot of things that, it made a lot of time too, and I didn't have time. I was at school. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I think that um, in that, like, that's that's really an important lesson. But like, also, I feel like that it's very empowering to know, like, okay, 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to try a thing. You tried a thing and you made it work for a period of time. And then you made the, the assessment and said, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I feel like yeah. a lot of times, like uh, as business owners, we come in and we feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to start offering a thing. And now because I've done it one time or I've done it three times or I've done it a hundred times, I have to do it forever. And giving yourself permission to say, no, this isn't working for me and pivoting yeah. is important. It's really important. If you're doing something and you feel it's not working, you shouldn't have the obligation of keep doing of keeping doing it, especially if you don't enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love I love that that your example includes that even. So did you uh, when was it that you closed your online shop? Because you had the online shop up for a period of months, no? Yeah, yeah. I had it for a couple of months, maybe like a year even. Um, I closed that, I think, was this summer or October, somewhere around there. It's like a couple of months ago. Okay. And now I'm actually doing something similar, but it's really different. So I partnered up with Hannah Treasures and they send me their products and I make orders for them and I send them out here in, in America. But it's different because I'm not spending anything. They're sending me all their products and I'm making the cones and I'm just putting the paste in. And something that for me is a huge difference. Um, my cones, I put, I don't know if you have seen how I, uh, I sealed them, but I put a lot of tape, I fold them in many ways and I put a pin and I just do so many things. But their cones, I have to follow, of course, their rules. And the cones are bigger and you can fold it differently and just quicker and it's just faster and doesn't take as much. So for me, that has been working so far. Yeah. And it's been working well because it's a way to get something in and you're not spending anything and you're not, it doesn't take that long for me because you don't have to deal with clients, um, not liking what you do or anything. You're just kind of making and sending. And I also like doing that because I get their products too, and I love their powder. Oh, I love that. So, did you, did yeah. you approach them for the collaboration, or did they approach they, you? They approached me. They actually approached me a while ago, and I denied it because I had just stopped selling cones, and I said, okay, I'm not going to do anything like that ever again. <laughs> You're like, peace, and then, <laughs> no, don't yeah. talk to me about cones. <laughs> And then a couple of months after they reached me again, or I actually, I think I asked if that offer was still available. Um, Cause then I started, I was like, okay, I need some income. <laughs> Cause again, when I stopped selling comes, I had like, you know, it's different. Yeah. And then I needed some income and they talked to me and talked to me about the whole process. And it started just as a code, just like, okay, use my code and you're going to get this much off or something simple like that. And then because I started using the powder on the products, my, my whole thing just changed. Mm -hmm. And people liked that. And I started getting requests to send cones. I told them, okay, look, this many people want me want to have your cones and they're here in America. And that's how I actually started making them and selling them here. Oh, wow. But it's their products. I'm just mixing in and putting in the cones. That's so good. I think that, you know, finding creative collaborations like that with other head of professionals is phenomenal. Yes. I wish that more people would do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's something so good. What I really like about Hannah Treasures is that Beauty is Delius Hannah. 
um, her, she, she's a really good friend of mine. She's like my big sister, my big Hannah sister. She works with them really, really tightly. It's like, it's almost like one. Mm-hmm. And she, she's a really good friend of mine. So working with her and being able to be, to have more connection with her, that show, that is something that's also inspired me to work with them. Yeah. Just having her there. Oh, I love that. And I know there are, there are a few of you guys, what do you, are you guys, uh, do you call it, are you like brand ambassadors? I don't know. Or partners. Ambassadors. Brand ambassadors. So I I saw like, um, I know that they have multiple brand ambassadors and I love, Mm -hmm. I love um, like seeing even that, that expansion and like how it just takes that workload and it spreads it out over Mm -hmm. a group of people. It makes it so much more uh, easy to manage um, and everyone wins yeah yeah it's really nice and again their products i love their product they have two products they have the creamy and the stringy i don't like the creamy i don't like creamy taste what can i say me too (laughs) but i just can't work with it but their stringy is so perfect it's even better than my old chamac that was my favorite powder on earth it's even better than that and it's something that i think is really important the powder you're working with is gonna establish your your style you know what i mean it like does. if I was, it was, if I wasn't using a stringy, super fine henna powder, if I had never even tried that powder, I would have never done thin lines. I would have never created that kind of thing. Maybe it would have been something else, but not what it is today. Yeah. And even when I try, because when I stopped selling my powder and I stopped making orders, I stopped buying the huge chunk of powder from the supplier I had in India. So I started getting powder again from regular henna artists and people near me and I was as I was trying new powders I realized how my designs were changing when I was doing new powders because it feels good to do different things uh when you find a powder that fits your style you got to stick with it yeah that's what I think yeah yeah I 100% I haven't tried um the henna treasures powder it seems a lot like um like how I make my own piece like mine is uh, very very uh stringy very very sugary like i love that yeah me too I, yeah i'm like that if it's not like that i don't want it like put a creamy powder yeah. next to a creamy paste next to me i'm like mm-hmm. oh well, just yeah yeah you can't design so well with it but it, it looks to me just like in even in the photos and the videos that i've seen of their elastic powder uh or elastic paste it looks very very similar to what i use so i feel like if i were to look yeah. for another one that would be what i would end up going with as well yeah. yeah and the sugar makes a huge role a yeah huge the sugar plays a huge role yeah 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 no it really does it, it's a total game changer i feel like uh sometimes we're scared to play with the sugar but me i'm uh, i put a lot so of much. sugar i put almost almost equal sugar to henna me too and i that, do the yeah. same thing i use 50 grams of sugar for 100 grams of henna yeah see one it, time i even did 60 but that was a little too much yeah. Turn back to 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that though. It, it, it is. It, look, we could play with each other's pace and we would be fine. <laughs> so, oh, so tell me, we'll shift to gears a little bit. Has there been, well, obviously you talked about the bigger um, investment that you made in, in creating the retail line, which then you got rid of. Totally cool. Has yeah. there been another um, investment that you've made in your business where you're like, I hope that it would go this way, but then it just didn't pan out that way. Hmm. Other than the selling henna, um, I don't think so. I haven't done many things that took a lot of investment. Um, mainly what I have been working on is on the actual art aspect of it. 
mm-hmm. not as much on the business aspect of it. Selling um, products, becoming a supplier was the only thing that was more on the business aspect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't say there was nothing else that really made me spend a lot of money on that. Maybe like help fixing out my little henna station. That doesn't that that can't even because um my dad has an art studio and I have my spot in his art studio. Uh-huh. I just have a table, a little painting on the side, and it's really simple. It's really cute. And I started when I was really young and I still have the, and so he gave me the table and he gave me the light and he gave me the painting. So I didn't really spend any money on that because I was, I was 14. So he just gave it to me. Yeah. If I was going to, it was, if I was going to, like, I'm going to do, get a new space now, then that would be a big investment. Yeah. Buying the tables, buying the chairs, buying all the stuff that you need to make it pretty. That would be a big investment. But so far, not yet. But soon, yeah. Oh, exciting. <laughs> exciting. Yeah. How about like um for you and because you are very art motivated, do you do you invest in, in classes and lessons or are you just self-developing and just letting it come from inside of you? I'm self-taught. Um I actually never took classes from anyone except on Henacon. Um when it's actually a conference and you learn from people. And when I go to Hena conferences I learn from people. Um, but it's mostly myself. Um, I've learned from many artists. I've taken, uh, when I first started Atlanta, when I first started again, I never saw a video of how to make henna or anything. So Atlanta Henna Arts, Atlanta, she helped me with my sugar balance because I was putting like, maybe like 100% sugar, 100% henna. <laughs> and, um, yeah, helping me with the science when I went to conference and things like that. But I would say mainly myself. I really try to create my own, um, not limits, my own goals and reach them. There are no goal and reach them. Just keep going like that. Oh, that's so good. I, I think um, the one thing that that I, I really believe this is uh, comparison is the thief of joy, right? That's the same. Mm-hmm. Comparison is the thief of joy. So when, for me, like anytime I'm wanting to, to move to the next thing, when I, I always, it's like, okay, is the goal mine? Or is this goal informed by what someone else is doing or informed yeah. by what someone else thinks of me or whatever? And so I, th- I feel like having that, that sense of direction and sense of self is so valuable. It's so mm-hmm. valuable. What would you, I agree with you. Would you like, um, do you have any advice to artists who, who feel that way, who, who perhaps are like, uh, I don't know, like my, my goal is, maybe my goal is, I don't know, whatever. Do you have a, a thought about that? Um, yes, I feel like if you have a goal, you have to do everything you possibly can to make it happen. Um, usually practice and practice and practice and practice is the key. If you have a technical goal on henna, I feel like you should practice and practice and practice and try different paces and try different ways to roll your cone and try just different things until you get what you want. Because it's possible, of course it is. You're just going to work your way through it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So, okay. Let's, let's switch it up a little bit. For, so you, you, obviously now, you, you know, you've, you've tried multiple things. You've tried the, um, you've tried having the retail shop. You've, you've tried um, seeking clients, you know, seeing clients uh, privately. Now you're moving into something bigger where you're, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, to lay the groundwork for opening your space and so forth. What type of, because those, obviously those are investments that, 
that are going to, 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 to cost something from a monetary perspective. What, right now, what does it cost to spend time with Cali Tours? Uh, well, my starting price for Hannah is 15. Uh -huh. But I rarely do anything that's 15. So I would most likely say 30. Okay. Is that, do you base it on time or do you base it on the size of the design? I try to base it on time, but sometimes I feel like that's not fair because some, I just might take longer because my head hurts. So whatever, I just, I feel like that's not fair to the client. Mm -hmm. On events and things like that, you have to charge per time. Um, but for clients, I just charge for a design. I see a design and say, okay, that one is this much. So, you know, I try to keep it balanced, okay. Um, so most of my designs, I always say like 40 or 45, the bigger ones. So I may say like 180 or yeah. Yeah. It just depends. And I usually, again, because I can take a long time. I don't wanna, if it takes me two hours to do a design that's from here to here, I'm not gonna charge. 140 for something that's 60 or 80 dollars mm -hmm. so that's why i don't charge for time okay that's interesting uh it's an interesting shift um and i think that also kind of the interesting thing and i see interesting shift in that um many of the artists who who i know many of the artists that i've interviewed for the series and so forth um they charge my time but you are the first one who is also like again is is savoring you know you're savoring that design you're 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 working and you're like taking your time and whatnot so it makes sense uh for you to also have that you know to, for you to also have that um the pricing yeah. structure where you're charging for per design versus time i like the trade-off i like the trade-off yeah 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 i think um and i love i love also the just the fact that it's different and that Sometimes we can see what other people are doing and think like, oh, this is the right way. This is the only way. Yeah. Everybody has their own way because every, everybody fits their own. Like some people may do the same from here to here, full hand in 30 minutes. I take two hours. Yeah. It's going to be your price for 30 minutes versus my price for two hours. It's just not fair. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. No, I like, I like the shift. I, and I like, um, because you've kind of like set the groundwork for how you work. So and it gives also context to why that works for you. And I think that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing in business, right? Finding the thing that works for you and then doing yeah. it really well. That's cool. Yeah. It's that's really important. Um, I feel like that's really important, especially when you want to be able to create. I don't like recreating designs. I like to create. So you never know how long that's going to take. If you thought this was going to work and then you say, well, no, it needs this much. And it needs this other thing or it turns out being less than you said. So when I give my prices, I have a client next to me. She shows me what she wants. She tells me, okay, when I want from here to here, I like these two things, or I like this from this artist. And I like, she just kind of tells me what she wants, um, well, she or he. And then from there, I'm like, okay, that may cost from this much to that much, or from here to that. And then when I'm done, I give an actual price because then I see how the design went, what, how much I did. Sometimes I look at how long it takes me, just if it was quick or something like that, but it's mostly what I see on the design. And I got a really quick eye for that. Like I just see and I say, okay, 40, okay, 50. When before I was thinking, oh, how much do I charge for this one? Oh, so kind of compare and see prices. But now it just comes naturally. 
That's so cool. That's it. Did it take you a long time to get a grasp on on pricing? I know that for some artists, it's, it can be challenging to like to know. Yeah. How, um, it did take me a long time. I used to charge like ten dollars for a huge one. I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> then I started as I gained more trust in myself and my work, and I appreciated it more. And I started um, being proud of what I was doing and realizing that maybe it was working well. Um, then I started charging more and it was pretty automatic how I thought, okay, this is science that before I would have charged $20. Now I'm charging 50 because it's, it's not the same design. It's changed. It's changed some value, changed on quality, changed on everything. It, even the pace changes. So I feel like it's normal for your prices to change as you go. I think it's okay to start really low. You know, if you're not giving as much, but eventually if you see yourself increasing, then your prices should as well. I like that. And I think it's true. You, you having that, um, your prices to stay commensurate to what you're offering, I think is important. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a way you get people to appreciate your work. Um, my dad is an artist again, and he sells his paintings at the price he wants to sell it. Somebody doesn't want to get it. That's their problem. That's you spend a lot of time on it. You put your heart out on it. Um, you deserve to be paid right for what you're doing because you're doing it good and people should be able to pay what you're offering. And if they don't want that, then you can work your way around. Like I have some clients to come with a design that's $60 and they want to pay 25. I'm not going to do it for them for 25. I'm going to say what I can do for 25 that looks similar to that. And then we'll, find a place to work it out yeah i think i think knowing how to navigate that and i I feel like sometimes uh, learning how to navigate that conversation takes time like i feel like it takes experience Mm -hmm. though to to learn like the the things to say and the ways to get around it but i feel like as artists it's almost like our responsibility to be able to provide a creative solution to our clients when they want something that we we can't provide because it doesn't make sense for us as well so like respecting us while also servicing them yes exactly yeah. i had a client like actually my last client i think it was um yesterday yeah it was yesterday no 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 it was before yesterday yeah it was thursday um and she brought me she booked a jaguar appointment and my starting price for that like legally my starting price is 30 so she wanted to pay 30 and she brought me this design that was like like a hundred dollars on Jawa. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't do that, but I can take what you like about that and make up something that would be $30. And that way we made it work. I said, you like this flower, you like how it connects to the sides. Okay, let's do that, but it's gonna be less, of course, but it's gonna be the same principle on the design. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think um, that like, learning that like how to balance those client relationships is so important and that's how you keep your, your people happy right yeah and when they're happy then they come back or then they have a good experience and they share you with someone else and yeah. there are some people who some kind of artists who say that they never copy a design and i think that's good at some level but at some level it's not i feel like you can copy and design of course give the artist credit of course but you learn from that you're trying something different and you're learning from doing that. I have this client uh, she comes to me about three times a year and she always, always, always wants a henna CKG design. Always. Just <laughs> exactly recreated. 
Yeah. And it's not the easy ones, are the hard, complicated ones when you're like, oh my God, how did you do that? And by having that client, I ha and she had me recreate the design, I have learned so much. Because you look at something, at least when I see him, it's like, I say that's because you just I'm like, how in the world did she do that? How did she get all lines perfectly? How did she? And then when I actually see myself in the place where I got to do it, then you really learn. And that's the way I'm thankful of recreating the design, not necessarily because I'm going to now start copying all her motives, but I'm learning a new way to interpret what I'm seeing, making it into my own. Yeah. And I think that's something really important. I agree with you. I agree with you a lot. Let me ask you, um, what has been your biggest lesson in your journey as a henna artist, personally, professionally, otherwise? Um, I think um, personally and professionally, it would be, I think, learning about art. For me, henna is all art. Um, I'm not really so good at the business aspect of anything. I'm more like an artist. So I just love the art aspect of it. It has taught me um, just about art. <laughs> How to I create love. something that looks nice to the eye. And then I don't know if you have seen, sometimes I have designs that have a lot of writing on it. And even the last ones that I've been, I think the last one that I posted, lady, it has a flower. That is not actual flower, but it's a flower that represents Cuba to me. It doesn't represent Cuba, like globally represents it to me. And just like the writings and things like that are a way to make, to kind of, and the, I have done some with nude um, silhouettes of women or things like that, that there are ways of make more like art with meaning and more expression into the design aspect of it. And I think that's a really big thing that Hannah has taught me, oh. how to create that connection. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So if you were to leave a message for the Hannah artist who's coming two steps behind you in their journey, what would you say to them? I think the biggest thing is to do what you love and then things are going to work out. If you do what you love and you enjoy what you're doing and you're having fun when you do it, things are going to happen for you. That's what I think. I love it. I love it. So tell the people, where can they find you? Where can they find you on social, online? How can they connect with you? Okay. I am Atlanta Henna Studio everywhere. On Facebook, on Instagram. I think I have a Twitter pattern you so much, so. <laughs> um it's just atlanta a-t-l-n-t-a studio s-t-u-d-i-o and kali k-a-o-i okay so let me i i want to i want to know because uh the big thing for for me is in creating hennapreneurs i wanted to build a collaborative space for henna artists to come learn about art learn about business and support one another uh, in a way that's fruitful for our industry as a whole so is there is there a way that the Hennapreneur community or the Henna community at large can support you? Um, and if so, um, what might that be? Okay, I think like sharing people's work and sharing if you like if you learn something from what I do or if you appreciate something um, that I do on my work and you share that and you let me know that would really help um, maybe better and help my thing girl oh, i love it i love it of course so. i think it, <laughs> i think that's so important and absolutely i think um i think that there are a lot of big things to come for atlanta in the studio 
and I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to see how it like how how all of this comes to fruition with uh, the new studio and all of those things. Yeah. Thank you. I'm really excited. Oh. Yeah, you should be. You should be. All right, love. Well, I will let you go. Okay. I'll let you go. But I, I want to thank you for your for your time, sharing your journey oh, with thank us, you. sharing your insights. Yeah. yeah, and I um I'm so looking forward to to uh, seeing you know the value that you're bringing to the Hana community and uh, seeing how they respond. And and I'm yeah. If there's anything I can do to help you and support you, let me know. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank oh, you. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yay! I'm so glad. Me too. Me too. It's good to finally like meet you meet you as close as we get yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god all right love well, take care and enjoy the rest of your okay. day yeah thank you you too bye <laughs> bye <laughs>